Lasting Media. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Glozell. Is you okay? Because I'm not. I'm suddenly single, financially struggling, and learning how to live my life as a single mom. It's time for me to glow up. Join me on this journey as I learn life lessons from my incredibly successful friends who teach me how to glow up. From Lasting Media, is glowing up with me, Glozell Green. Hello, this is Glozell. Is you okay? Good, because I'm not. I'm a hot mess. I'm just letting you know that right now. I'm here with my world-renowned life coach. Life coach, life coach. I was trying to be dramatic. <laughs> We're here with Mr. Reginald McKeever. Please introduce yourself, and where can we find you? My name is Reggie McKeever, and I am currently Glozell's life coach, or one of them. You can find me online www.reggiemckeever.com. You can find me also in places like Facebook. Also, it's Reggie McKeever, Reginald McKeever, M-C-K-I-V-E-R. And those are the couple of places that you can find me, but I'm always out and about. Okay. Well, I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> when I first met Mr. Reginald, it was on the phone. And I thought by his name being Reginald, I thought he was like at least 70 years old. <laughs> and I felt comfortable. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I changed my drawers this month. You know, I really <laughs> was telling him everything. Like, And I'm going on and on. I'm like, I just, I'm in the cesspool. I, don't, I haven't bathed this year. It had been months. Like, I was just in a crusty, horrible place, and I think somehow I was just trying to just, I don't know, die. I, I really, I'm like, I couldn't figure out what was going on, what was wrong. It it was really uh, just a mess. And then, then you meet him, and then here's this young, hot guy walking in. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord, I've been telling him I, and then I have not changed my drawers in months. And I'm like... I, uh, that was the funniest part I because a hundred years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, we were in the restaurant. How does a young guy have a name named Reginald? Yeah. Who's Reginald <laughs> under the, under seventy years old? Okay, go. we were in the restaurant and she was so loud that they were looking at me behind the counter and she was accusing me of catfishing her and I'm like, how <laughs> did I? <laughs> so everybody's looking at me like I'm I'm crazy. And I was like, Glozelle, you got to pull this in. But <laughs> Me? Dramatic? Me? Yeah, but, yeah, I didn't even think about it, but I saw the pictures that she sent, and I'm thinking, you know, working as a client, and she's like, you didn't tell me you were this young. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to a kid. I'm thinking, like, this old guy, I've helped so many people, and my name is Reginald, la, la, la. You know, like, he's seen like, the people with the dead cats in the room. Like, I'm seeing, that's who I thought I was talking to, and I'm like, oh, Lord. 46. I'm still older than you, right? No, you're not older than me. You're, you're a baby. Okay, my bad. Okay, I got That you. was the whole problem. All right. My... I'm talking to, like, you know, a millennial about my problems, you know? Yeah, like, oh so that's goodness. how the first session went. Um, 
I'll never forget that. Yeah, I'll never. <laughs> so it just by then he already knew everything. I sent video. I'm like, look, 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 my toenails. I like they're they're as long as you know a dragon. And um, but I thought I was talking to a senior citizen, elderly guy that was just. Does my voice really sound like a senior citizen? But yeah, it threw me off, Reginald, uh-huh. and no one described me to. I didn't Google. I was I was just in need of help and. Uh-huh. So when Dini said, oh, Reginald, and a life coach, I wasn't thinking the young, you know, my world, honestly, is just not black. I just wasn't thinking black. I wasn't thinking young, Yeah, which helped me to tell you everything. Yeah. Well, black people, we have bass in our voice and that, you got to understand that that doesn't make us older. Just just mature. Okay. Well, thank you. So when you you. first received the pictures and, and that was just me physical, my physical body. And then I showed the room where I was and I basically had to climb over stuff to where I was sleeping and, you know, like just a mess everywhere. And then he actually came over, but I don't know where you want to start in a story. I really don't. Well, when I, um, when I first saw the pictures, and, and Did you believe him, though? A part of me felt like he didn't believe that I was really like this. Well, when I saw the pictures, I was like, um, I've seen it before, but not as extreme. And when they came through, I was like, okay. But the <laughs> number one thing I said, well, in helping you was up under all of that mess and all of that junk is some things that you're barricading yourself in life from. And up under all of those piles there you are somewhere. And that was the key thing about helping you was to help you understand that we always are going to imitate. We're going to do something in reality that we think subconsciously. So in reality, you are piling. And I pay attention to that as well because you have some like when they're hoarding, there's mess everywhere, but you are piling things up. And in life, it made me understand that as you are piling these things up, that there was layers to where you were and how to get to you. And what I did that you did not know, I looked at an average of how high the stacks was, and it let me know about how many years that you were going through subconsciously with things. Good. Yeah. Lord, that's deep. Yeah, if you're going to bring it, bring that it. That was deep. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh, like really high. Like yeah. I had boxes everywhere. You couldn't see any wall, you know, and, and you couldn't barely walk any space. And I really... A lot of people don't usually come to my place because of that, and Reginald was one of the ones to come in. And um, yeah, and she let me right in. It was you I, know I, I was at the and I thought I was at the bottom. The bottom was when I was almost arrested yesterday for child abuse. That that was, that was the, the new bottom, but that was the first <laughs> bottom. Yeah, I have several bottoms. I got a big bottom. There you go. <laughs> but yeah. Awkward pause. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I saw it in person. It was a bit overwhelming. And I was like, well, how does she do what she needs to do with all of this surrounding her? And it wasn't like a a filthy. It was more like like a messy. You have a messy and then you have a filth. And a filth, you know, we can tie that into several things that happened in a person's life. But I know that it was just junky, but it wasn't as severe as other issues. But when I saw it, I said she's got her work cut out for her. But what I really liked about it was that attitude she knew she was ready for this without actually admitting to it. And if a person lets you in their space and you're going through their space, she handled that like a champ. But as far as moving the things out of the house, that was a different story. But um, as far as I'm concerned, 
she was ready for this change that she was about to go through in her life. But the barricade represented career, marriage. It represented her entire life. And subconsciously, she's like building people away from her and slowly beginning to become secluded. So as she was becoming secluded, the career and everything was following in suit. So we wanted to get that out of the way and find out what the deep rooted issues were that she was hiding behind. Well, I mean, I didn't overly know what my issues were, but I, I just know that everything was nothing was working. And I was like, I, 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 Ozell, for some reason, everything she does seemed wrong. I don't I, I'm like, that's right. And I'm like, I, I, I don't I know. I'm like, can I have postpartum? And if I didn't birth her, like, you know, like I didn't know. How could I be so angry at her all the time when she's too, you know, what could she have done? And I never, at the time, I didn't think it was my husband at the time or right before I met you. I don't, I don't know. There was some crossover because I went to Academy 333, which is run by Mr. Reginald McKeever here. And as soon as things started opening up and I got away, that's when I started being clear about who needed to leave in my life. And my husband kept coming up and then we did this thing where you die and who shows up and uh-huh. he, was, he was not there you know who the people yeah, for you said that from the start I was like, he was yeah. not there i was like oh i'm like then i started paying attention to that and also i got the call that i was going to be in vanity fair so it's really crazy that once i make this connection and what i need to let go of then the universe was just like okay just letting you know you know, we're here. I mean, and I've never been in Vanity Fair. It was like a fluke and I wasn't doing anything. But, you know, stewing in my own craziness, you know, at the time. So, I don't know. That's where it definitely began. Mr. Reginald probably won't get as much credit as he's deserved because I've been on shows now talking about hoarding. But it started off with you and I just want everybody to know that. he's a, And he, I mean, he wasn't even nice. He just started like, you need to get rid of this trash and get... Like, yeah, we were playing any games. Him. Yeah, yeah. Other people had tried, and I'm just like, no, I need this receipt because what if I return <laughs> this back? And I, it's been 17 years. I don't care. I need it. You know. And he comes in and throws stuff out, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we were also doing that mental work at the same time, and mm-hmm. to see the place where she was. One thing I, I could never do was saying, Gozel, you got to get rid of your marriage. You get out of your marriage. No. Yeah. What I, I teach is. You are everything in your reality and how you view other people and other things represent how you view yourself. So when we get to the bottom of finding out who you are and how you feel about self and when you get self straight, everything else in your natural life will follow suit. It may not be happy about it, but it will follow suit. And we talked about all kinds of things. And one of the things that we talked about was skin color. Yes. And the skin color was where I really began to grow a deep connection with Clozelle. You know, I already liked that she was, she's great people. But when we started talking about the skin color in itself, because many people don't know that classifications within the black skin tone is everything. And at one point in time in history, that if you were darker than a brown paper bag, you wasn't, you was not allowed to be in certain parts of society within Mm -hmm. the black community. Well, this still rolls over. You have in some black households, the darker you are, stereotypically, the worse off you'll do, the worse off you'll be. Mm -hmm. So it's the lighter you are. And what I find out that this is not only in the African-American community, but this is in other communities, Sri Lankan, all Mm -hmm. over the world, 
the lighter you are, the better. And my thing was to help you understand that in actuality, we're all one. And however someone else views you is not a reflection of you, but a reflection of how they see themselves. That in our opinion, and what I learned, because one thing I told her myself, that I'm a dark-skinned African-American male. I'm six foot two at the time. I was like 270, and I didn't fit the bill of what I should look like. But one thing I was determined to do was to always represent me and my truth. And that's what I wanted her to understand, that no matter what color we perceive that we are, that we have to live this life in the light that we shine in and not in the darkness that people subject us to. That's deep, right? Now, <laughs> Josh was my producer here. Are you looking at, like, why did we just start talking about skin color? Yeah. <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. very good. I did not get that one. I, For those who are listening, good. like, I don't very know. Very good. Tell us about the experiment that we did in your, your class about dying. One thing about death and where that came from is a, a moment that I actually was dying and my life began to review itself. Mm. And many people think that my life flashed before my eyes like they were in control of it. But at that time, you're not in control of it and your life brings you things that you're happy with, that you're sad with, that you're ashamed of, and it's nothing that you can do to stop rotation. And the purpose of that is to teach, is to put people through that transition to put people through a death, to put people through what actually happens, allowing their spirit to lead them instead of their mind. And when you go through that process, you begin to sense and get a grip of what's important and what's not important. If you close your eyes and you're dying, I guarantee you, it would, it would not be your degrees. It will not be the things that you, you accomplish. What it boils down to is how you treated yourself and people in your reality. And that, when you put people through that, like Glozell, Glozell came out saying, I didn't see myself with a husband. And again, I'm like, Glozell, I'm not getting in that. I'm not, I'm not. Uh, that's, I wanted that's to drag business. him into it. Yeah, like, you need to tell yeah, me to leave. Yeah. yeah you, a lot of times uh -huh. when he was here uh, at where we were, uh, Kevin was there, like clothed up in a room somewhere, you know, like I've just felt like he just didn't care what we were doing. Meanwhile, Reginald was like, what did you have stuff? I'm like, I need bananas, you know. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was the owner. I'm like, hey, you know, you got a husband. You know, hey, let's 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 try to communicate. Let's give it all that we have. He did try. Yeah, so that if it does not work, you know, you did all that you can do. Because having questions the rest of your life is haunting. And the right. older you get, the more the questions become haunting. And whenever you look back, you can say, I gave it all that I could give it and more. And then when I got to the point where I wanted to give up, I still kept trying. And I right. knew that you were growing to a point what you were going to do. But to come in and change your process and say you do it would have been totally wrong at me. Because whenever you had those thoughts, my head would have popped inside of your head and you'd be like, I don't like that guy because he told me to leave it. Uh -huh. You were in power. And when you did it, I didn't even second chance it. I said, okay, before you say I'm thinking about leaving, I said, why? Why are you thinking about leaving? Stay and work it out. But when I knew your mind was made up, I said, okay. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I'm so thankful that I did. And uh, you definitely was a part of the journey of me 
finding myself and I'm a much better mom. And yes. I'm so happy to have you here. Like this box is going to Salvation Army or somewhere. Yeah. Um, but feel free to walk around and look around. Like you can actually walk. You can see the yeah, walls. I am, I am you know? impressed. I smell candles and I, I'm like, I'm impressed. As opposed to funk. Yeah. <laughs> no funk. You know. I don't smell food yet, no, but I smell right. candles. Right, yeah, we're right, going to get to that right, part. Right, You're going to get to that. Yeah, but very proud of you. So very where proud. I am now uh-huh. is that I'm separated. Divorce papers have been filed, and we have a court date in a few days. Ozell lives with me, and he's been... Can I pick her up? Sure. There's been no problem. Pick her up. Now, he asked to pick her up yesterday. Fine. And then, also, my car was stolen last week. So, when the police came to my door yesterday, I thought they were coming to tell me about my car, that they found my car, or that they, you know, the car's been destroyed, or whatever it was. No, they came to tell me that Kevin walked Ozell into the police department and said that um, there's negligence, abuse, and uh, unkept place. Mm. This is exactly what it looked like when they came in. They didn't find anything on her. It was just. But he knew you. He knew I got it. I'm, I, but I'm literally changed. on national television talking about how I've decluttering yeah. them. I, I post all the time. I got rid of this. I'm doing this. Da, da, da. You know, so it's not a secret. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, Ozo smells like urine. Her hair is not combed. And that I live in, in a filth. I'm like, well, months ago. You know, sure, yeah. but um, they came in. They, they they checked her, so they had to uh-huh. body check her, and they found nothing. And then they came here, and I'm like, you could walk around, and there's, there was nothing there. So we have no issues. He filed a false report, and he has to bring her back. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. Since we're on the air, we'll do a, a on air session right quick. Okay. With the car being stolen, mm-hmm. with the things going on. Mm-hmm. With the husband, mm-hmm. how did it make you feel? If you could have your space now and say, "How did that make me feel?" What would you tell me? Give me the ways that it made you feel. I honestly, because how it happened on Sunday was, I found out that Kobe Bryant had passed away uh-huh. and his daughter, mm-hmm. and I found out Very because sad. I know people who work at Tim Z. I found out before anybody. Uh-huh. You know, and so I already knew before it hit, and people didn't even believe it in the beginning anyway. And then I went down to my car to go to church. Mm-hmm. So when my car wasn't there, it didn't phase me because I'm not planning funerals. You know, uh-huh. so I was just like, okay, and thought, did I not pay the bill? Is it repossessed? Uh-huh. And then fraud charges came coming up. You know, like I'm like, someone has my card uh-huh. that it was in the car, and you know, my purse was in the car. We were gonna go to church, and so I. Tell me how how that made you feel. Start with that. How I did thought that like, wow, feel? that's really weird and violating, you know, because uh-huh. someone's in my car. I need a car that the car seat and stuff was in there. But I was okay because I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. And I was still oddly calm. Like the peace that passes all understanding. It makes no sense for me like, hmm, it's a car. I can get that replaced. Okay. Because of the circumstances of how exactly how it happened. I'm like, uh-huh. gosh, that's terrible. He's a young guy and his daughter, oh, with his wife. Oh, my gosh, my car's missing. Okay, I have no problems. Uh-huh. I have no problems. My car is missing. Uh-huh. But yeah. uh-huh. the hits just keep on coming because you have to prove that your car is stolen. I couldn't prove who I was because uh-huh. I didn't have an ID. So, you know, you do start a question, did I make the right choice before? Uh-huh. But I'm... 
I'm still feeling pretty, I was feeling pretty good. And, and I just trust that I'm, I'm on the right path and I did the right thing because if I hadn't decluttered, if it wasn't for uh-huh. you, if it wasn't for me getting myself together, moving to a place, when the police came, I would be in jail. Uh-huh. If that place looked like it did before, when I first met you, I would be under in jail. Under the jail. Under, like, yes. Because yes. it was very dangerous. Uh-huh. You know, things were stacked up. I was I had to climb over things. Uh-huh. So I, I'm a work in progress. I felt pretty like, wow, prepared when they came in. I was, I was shocked when I found out what they came in here for, but... They came in to look, and they looked in the cabinets. They looked everywhere, and I was like, "Yeah." So, I'm either in shock, or I'm just okay. Real thankful that this is gonna work out. Yeah, it's like I always. I feel like this is part of this uh-huh. movie that's gonna happen, or something, because the story is so crazy, you know. And like you literally talked about my house being a mess, and I'm literally that's what I'm working yeah. on. Yeah. And been working on. Yeah. So give me your words that showed up. The car's gone. How car's do you gone. feel? And I know you, you're really optimistic. Yeah. But a part of that is not being emotionally available for yourself because you look at, okay, well, let's look at this side of it. It's easy to look at the bright side, but if we don't understand the dark side of it, we never can enjoy that bright side of okay. it. Okay. You see? Mm-hmm. So how did it make you feel? You walk, what is your first reaction before any optimism took over? What was your first reaction? I'm like, what, what? I was like, where's my car? Did I park it in the wrong place? What's, what's wrong with me? Because I, I lose things all the time. So very, my thought, very good. And then I thought I didn't pay the bill. Uh, they repossessed it. And then I was like, I hope they repossessed it. That means I know where the car would be, you know? Okay. And then I'm like, did someone get in my car and drive off? And when they do it, and they, they knew my thought patterns because this is my home. This is where I'm supposed to feel safe. Uh-huh. There's a gate to get in kind of a thing. We have two security guards, but my car... Okay. It's gone. Now, how I'm going to transport Ozell? Yeah, she's got classes in school. And I, and I know that I have a court date. The goal is to keep her regular with what she's doing as best as I can. Okay, now and stop so right there. All. all right, the first thing you said was forgetfulness. And sometimes I forget where I put things at home. So that's the first thing we want to deal with because that's the first emotion that came up. Now, let's look at it like this. Something comes into your life and says, okay. In order to go through the next phase of your life, these are the things that you have to deal with. Because remember, when we deal with spirit, spirit comes in order. So Mm -hmm. once the divorce and everything is out of the way, now it says, let's get you together. So let's think about this. The police are here. They're at the door. They're saying, ma'am, we got a report that you've been abusing your daughter. How do you feel? Well, And, And hear the word abusing. The first thing was shock. I I wasn't even believing that I was hearing this. You know, like I was just like, it's not about my car. Abuse and like what and and he mentioned Kevin mentioned to the cops she has a a man. So I'm like, sir, that's why you're here. I guess there's something to do with uh-huh. that. But um What do you feel in your what do you feel at that time? Well I was concerned about Ozell because well they told me that she had to be searched. Uh-huh. I'm like, she's three. Is this one of the so things that we're going to be sitting in therapy violated. about? Violated. So, and violated showed up again with the car being missing. Oh, shut up. Shut hey, up. Hey, we got to get it. We got to get it. You better get to it, Mr. <laughs> Reginald, not 70 years old, man. Blunt, black, blunt, black. Forgetfulness. Wow. Violated. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, second generation violated, I feel like. Yeah. And not only that, Mr. Reginald, yeah. my mom helped him. 
Your mom helped them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So betrayed. Yeah. Forgetfulness. Violated. Betrayed. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Even before this incident happened, mm-hmm. how long were those words in your life? Oh, they were there. You see? They were there. So think about it like they this. Because if you attach it to what he did, you become bitter. But if you attach it to the life lessons, you become better. Okay. So think about this. What life is telling you, first, we have to deal with self and violate it and betrayal. Mm. We have to ask from this point, when we get all that sorted out, how did you do these things to yourself, possibly as a little girl? Mm. Because these words are constantly showing up, you see? So let's go back to hoarding. Hoarding says, even if we look at it, when I feel violated, when I feel betrayed, I barricade myself. Because now these are words that have showed up that are always attached to hoarding. So when you ask a person who's been hoarding questions, they're protecting themselves by what they do with their surroundings. So up under all that stuff and behind all of that stuff lies me. But we want to know where are these words coming from and why do they keep showing themselves over and over again? Violated, betrayed, forgetfulness. Everything is a message. And everything is telling you that if you figure these things out, your life opens up to you. Remember, you did a little bit of work and you had a whole lot of experience happening in your life. Vanity Fair shows you back on top. You you and you're climbing even higher. But there's a level of depthness that life is trying to take you to. You think about this. Let's say you walk into a room and you wasn't forgetful or your brain wasn't all over the place. How could you rule your reality? Whenever I feel like I'm forgetful and I can't do that, someone took that away from me. And when they took that away from me, they put me into a spin with my life and I'm on the outskirts of my destiny. When you pull the mind together, you're going to be able to do amazing things. Just think about what you did with hoarding. Think about what you accomplished with these things. Now imagine the power that's going to come when all these things are together put in order. Mm. You see, what's the first time you ever felt violated? First time I felt violated. And I want you to think about your life. And violation could be an action. It can be an act of betrayal. It can be an act of, uh, you know? Well, there was a time we call well, I joke about the, the two weeks. What happened was my mom left for two weeks, and we didn't know where she was going. We were young. And, and about 30 years later, we found out she was thinking about leaving my dad at the time. And she, she took off. And she, all we know is she dropped us off at her brother's house. And we didn't know, two weeks to a four and six-year-old, my sister and myself, seemed like eternity, and we didn't, I, we didn't know. And I, a part of me felt like we've never forgiven her for that. And there's been times she's like, oh my gosh, I went to Germany, you know, I would, I'm like, oh really? Because we, you know, we didn't know, we know where dad was, and there was no cell phones or nothing like that, and that we were dropped off here at that place. So I would <laughs> definitely say that because we've. We don't talk about it. See, think about this thing. Look at it in the spiritual again. Y'all never talked about it. No. But here's mom again when the same issues show up. So think about life, more so not as reality, but think of it as like a twisted dream that you're trying to wake up from. Here's mom saying again, the real issue started with me and you need to talk to me. 
because you haven't addressed me and how it made me feel. Do I have to really talk to her because I'm not talking to her? Look, look at him shaking his head. Yeah. No. You need no, to talk. Sir, you need, she uh-huh. helped someone try to uh-huh. get me arrested. She didn't know that that's where it was going to go, but okay. she's, she was trying to say... Because in her generation, you stay, you stay married. Yeah. So when I left, and how, how am I supposed to survive without a man? Uh-huh. And I'm in the wrong. So Ozil needs to come live in Orlando, where it's a stable household. Uh-huh. So she, so he's like, oh, yes, that's fine. She can come stay with you. And he got, you know, there's text of, like, Glozo's emotional st- stability. I'm concerned about Ozil. Oh, uh-huh. don't you worry about it. She can come stay with me. And he goes to the police station. Yeah. So this will be the he perfect her time. Yeah, the perfect time. For you to dig into this work. Because if you think about it, now you're going to catch feelings that already have been there, which makes it worse. What now you have to do is go back to that situation and say the things then to her that allows you to be free. Because I guarantee you, lessons, they don't change. They change people. So the new people coming into your life, you don't want to bring the same mess. But what you want to do is you want to handle this stuff from where it started. This way you don't pick up bitterness and spiritually and whatever else, you handle the lesson of what you were supposed to learn with your life. Because remember, everything you learn, your audience is waiting for that lesson to come out of your mouth. Well, um, What would you have told your mother if I, you were a little girl and she's gone? Oh, I am not going to cry. <laughs> you trying to get me because I'm like... No, what... what I'm hey. trying to... I'm supposed to be funny and goofy. That's my... That's my I know, I know. That's what I do. I know, but you know what I do. You see? So... You think about this. You never said it. And the tears that you're trying to hold back have been with you since a little girl. You need to let some of that stuff out. If you could talk to your mom as a little girl, she left you. You know, you remember when I told you when my mom left and went in the hospital and how that changed my life because what I was told and how much that hurt? You're a little girl. Your mom's not there. That's mom. That's nobody like mom. You know, dad's, you know, we love you, mm-hmm. but it's nothing like mom. She's, she's not there. And now an issue arises that's been following you your whole life. And now you have to step back in time and you have to talk to your mom. What would you tell your mom? I would tell her that a part of me now as a grown person get that you needed to get away and you needed to do what you needed to do. But you didn't uh, get that as a little girl. No, I did not get that. All I know is that you were gone and we didn't know when you were coming back and we are, we weren't at our house. Uh, there was no mom, no dad. There was different rules. None of the stuff was ours. I remember going like, oh, these are not my toys. This is not your stuff. You know, we had to ask permission for things where I, you go to the kitchen, you get something out of the refrigerator. It's like, no, we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. And there was one night that it's like, oh, you need to go to bed. Well, we didn't, we didn't really have a curfew. And I had to stand in the corner and look while my uncle went to sleep. That's what my punishment was for not, like, if you're going to be up, then you stand up. And it, it was not a, a fun two weeks. I mean. But you never had your say. You never had your say. How did you process that as a little girl? What were you saying as a little girl? Well, I uh, think I was saying that, you know, people like me if I'm funny, you know, then maybe then, you know, we get to, maybe we get to stay out, you know, at least this is the place. Like, I don't know. We went, there was two weeks, one week in one place. And then all of a sudden we went to another brother for a week. And then. So you start checking out. That's true. And I do have, I can ghost people. You people like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, you know, this person for 10 years, 30 years or whatever. And I'm just like, well. 
Bye. Yeah. You know, yeah. that I can do. Yeah. What if you're dealing with this forgetfulness because you forgot you along the process, along the road? This man. Uh, and okay. you gotta, okay. and you got have to remember you, and that you were important. And now think about what life does. Your mom was gone. You get a disciplinary. Because the goal is not to repeat it, you know, with Ozell, provided that she's brought back, which I, yeah. I feel like she will since the police like told him that you have to, you need to bring her back. Yeah. Um, how do I mean without talking to my mom? Like, is there like this represents your mom? Say what you need to say or. You know, burn a piece of paper, go chant, beat your chest, or scratch, well, whatever we, you need. We're not going to burn no paper. All right. we gonna, I don't we know. Gonna, we gonna you, you write down, like, these are my problems, yeah. and yeah. let me burn. You yeah. Know. You remember an, an old saying that goes to an old book, and I know you know what book I'm talking about. It says, the truth will set you free. Yeah. You see? Yes. You're moving through life in an untruth, and in that untruth, you become an imposter to who you really are. You see? So Ugh. you got to go back and free the truth, because it's the only thing it's able to free you in this moment. If you go back, I have a habit of, of like, whenever I get on something good, Siri comes in and starts <laughs> agreeing with See? it. But, you know, but I want you to think about that. First thing you want to do, that's your how. You go back and you get yourself. That little girl, now she has to become funny. Now she has an authoritative that comes in the house and says, you got to do things this way. Hello, your marriage. But what happened in that moment? What did you really want? What did you really want to say to your mom? Because in a sense, you lost your voice. I wanted to say, don't leave. Why did you leave? Like, you know. Get it out. Give me that whole conversation. All right. I don't know. I'm not going to go to the ugly cry. I'm just not going to uh, do Get it that. out. Get it out. I'm just going to say like that. Get it out. See, and uh, well, it's interesting that we went through this because my sister was here and she would have already bolted out of the door because this subject just yeah. does. We just, I do believe that's the reason why my sister and I are not that close. We are, yeah. We're closer now because of Ozell. There's the mutual yeah. uh, person. Yeah. But otherwise that we wouldn't probably hardly yeah. be talking. She wouldn't have yeah. been, she wouldn't be here in California. We wouldn't know each other. But you know what that means? You deal with your sister every day, but neither one of you know the real you. You with it every day. That's true. Yeah. Your mom doesn't know you. Your no, sister she doesn't. doesn't know you. But, she, she but you know what it boils down to? You don't know you. And you gotta go back to that little girl and you gotta see her. Don't forget her. And these messages are teaching you every day. They won't leave you alone because you have a great destiny. I always tell a person, if you can find a way to get in front of a million people, it's not because you're funny. It's because someone knows that you have a message inside of you that's going to be released one day. You got to see you in order to be you. Well, thank you, Mr. Reginald. For, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, that I mean... Hello. That's like really looking yourself in the mirror. Yeah. That's the how. I have my work cut out. I feel like I've definitely come so far uh -huh. physically, you know. Uh -huh. You have. I have soap and water and I use it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Look, nails done, toes done, like, um, <laughs> like a decent human being. And, I'm, and she um, knows we're going to dig into this. She, are, she knows it. 
Oh, I know that you read now as my producer's here. I'm just going to just switch things up. Are you deflecting? Yes, I am. I am. Big time. I am. But it is something very interesting that Mr. Reginald knows how to do. And that is what you call reading nails. Like, I don't get it. Like, your fingernails. The ability, I think, to look at a nail, all of our organs hold not only just fluids, but they hold emotion. And I learned this actually by watching a chameleon as it changed shades of color based off its environment. And I was like, us as human has to do the same thing, it seems beings. Trees have rings. And I would look at, as a kid going through different things sick, there was always something that would tell me to look at my fingernails. Hmm. And as I went through different things, my fingernails changed. They got ridges, they got lines, they got spot, had spots on them. But I started to tie it in that every time I go through something emotionally, it's marked in my fingernails. And that the organs, we are vibration, vibrational beings. These organs vibrate. We have thoughts of anger. It vibrates through us. But they form patterns on the nails. And I just learned and taught myself how to read those nails and put people into classifications of what dominant energies that they suffered with. And from that, I knew exactly how to help them just by looking at the nail. That is crazy. <laughs> and what, what intelligence are you coming from when you just, oh, I'm just looking at your nails and the ridges and now I know that you know, your pancreas is functioning. You know, that's, a, that's some other world stuff. Yeah, but that is what. Yeah. All right. Let's All right, see so your phalanges, yeah. Josh. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. So, hey, I'm Josh Skinner. I'm one of Glozell's producers. We are going to read my nails, um, <laughs> which I keep them short, so I don't know if that matters. It doesn't matter. Okay. So, all right. All right. You're a hot mess. Yeah. Or which hand? In, I'm, I'm, my right way. hand, I'm dominant. So, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Let's it doesn't dominant. matter. Either one. I want my right hand. <laughs> you want the right hand. Okay. All right. He's holding my hand. No, no. Now I know this. That you're a heart-centered person. When you do things for people, sometimes people do things from their head because they see it needs to be done. But whatever you do, you do it from your heart. And because of that, the heart holds one of your dominant energies. So I know that if I bother your family, which it also could have been family disturbances in the past, but if I mess with someone who's close to you, that you would take up for me and you don't even you don't even know me. Once I get to your heart, that's where everything is at. And you've been hurt through that heart. Also, agitation, you see, agitation in the body, which shows another link between the heart and the kidney. Um, in your head too much at times, and sometimes you're harder on yourself than a lot what you need to be, but you trust in yourself more, and you're in a phase of your life where you're going to have to learn how to trust a spiritual influence where there could be some issues even there. That heart, because of that, it drains magnesium from the body. And so you can find yourself trying to unwind or, or loose yourself from thoughts. You could find that sometimes you get agitated and fidgety. But with that, you're going to need some kind of supplements from the body. And I'll talk to you about that later. Because agitation, not trusting spirit, haunting yourself, and issues around love are dominant what's going on in the body and mineral balance being low. But the heart of yours, again, is your strong center. And you have to watch because let's say if, if you were in relationship, you're a giver, you see, you would do things for people. You'll make sure that they're OK, but you got to make sure that that comes back to you in return. And when you do that, you have a balance going on in your life. And it's not just you that has to do for everybody, everything around you. 
Um, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Gozel's saying he uh, was right. Uh, 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 okay, so... Uh, you blown away? I, let's just talk about really... It's her podcast, so I don't want to yeah, overtake it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm just curious. Uh, tell me about trusting spirit. That means that whenever we're in our head and not trusting a spiritual part of us, that we can become over-analytical. We can become hard on ourselves. We can go into burnout. We can have all kind of things going on because we need to hear that one word, trust. And when you trust that you're not alone in this life and that something is right there with you throughout your life, that agitation that's in the body will begin to go away. How do you trust those, sir? How do you trust those? That's a great question. Well, first, you have to identify what you believe. You see, that's first. You know, sometimes we have we have a world now where a lot of people are mad with spirit and they're mad with spirit because of the representation of people and people will put out that, oh, you're judged by this God or you this God says this about you until now you have a generation of people that are walking away from spirit. What you have to know, first of all, is that you're loved by something other than yourself that wants you to win something that understands you in a way that no one else can understand. I always said that, here's the question. You have people that go through all kinds of issues in life. It's not the people. It's the people that form judgments around the issues that they think people have. Spirit is available and open to everyone. And we have to learn how to trust it, how to talk to it, and just say, I need help. And then from that point, we learn how to listen to our inner God with full confidence. You see? You have to trust something greater than yourself because you're a part of a greater universe. And this is the way where you get become plugged into that. Everything in this world is a knowing. Everything knows. The animal knows. Everything is a part of a knowing. As human beings, we're the only ones that do not know ourselves. When we begin to know ourselves, we begin to know that there's a whole lot of help that we haven't been accessing. And that's my story about trusting spirit. Not trusting judgment, but trusting spirit. That's beautiful. Thank you. So uh, if I work on these things, will my nails change? They'll change. And about that, I usually do it about every six months. Okay. And it takes about six months for those new patterns to start forming. And sure thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I will turn it back to Glow. Um, <laughs> I got a lot to think about. But yeah, Glozell's right. You were dead on. And it's all relationship-based. All my frustration and everything. All right, so if you want to see me, <laughs> swipe right. Swipe <laughs> right. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. See? I got you. I get yeah. You. Deflect, right. why don't you? Yeah, it's like, it's like tennis in here. Yeah. All right, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm Serena. <laughs> Thank you so very much. This could continue forever and ever, and I'm sure yeah. you'll show up in season three, four, five, yeah. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, any last remarks? And again, where do we find you? On that note, Glozell, my advice to you would be to think about this the rest of the day, the process of remembering you and realizing that out of all of this equation, you are the most important. And when you come home to you, when you really see you, your life will take a change like you've never seen before. You've been doing this basically as an imposter. Mm. But when you come back to you, 
imagine a power that's going to come forward. Preach, Reginald! <laughs> oh, he also was a preacher. I mean, just, oh my gosh. That, um, so, do you think there's any meaning or hiding or anything going on? My connection with this, with the green lipstick, like... Yeah, um, green represents two things. One, creativity, and the other thing is the heart. And sometimes when that heart has been blocked, you'll do things in reality that represents, do you see me? And all of your thing, you say, is you good? This is Gozelle, is you good? You see? The whole time, you just wanted someone to really see you. Thank you, Mr. Reginald McKeever, for, you know, basically slapping me in the face with reality. You know? <laughs> Yes, uh, and I just want to know where everybody, if you want to get slapped too with reality, <laughs> where can we find you? You can find me at www.thereggie.com. If you. <laughs> the is not the T H E. <laughs> All right, make sure you you subscribe, click like, share. I don't know. This the is... Reggie McKeever. Thank you. T H A. The. All right. Okay, how's that? The. Thank you. You All are right. wonderful. You're blessed. You're just amazing. And thank you for helping everybody around the world, including myself, who was in the pits of just foolishness. And thank you for reading. Josh's nails, you know, <laughs> basically we already knew his love life is a hot mess. So thank you very much. And that's going to all get better too. All right. Bye. Yeah. Josh Overnight. is a good guy. He's a good guy with a lot to be seen yet in this earth. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh my goodness, I had a great time. I know you did too. Glowing Up is executive produced by my friend, Josh Skinner, John Fender, Jason Barrett, and me, Glozelle Green. I'm a producer. It's edited and produced by Jonas Litton. Thanks again for listening to my little podcast. If you'd like to hear my latest episode of Glowing Up, you can visit our website at glowingup.show or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And I want you to leave your ratings and reviews so I know what you're really thinking. I want to hear from you. Yes, you. You right there. Leave a review. All right. Over and out.